Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Are you tired of endlessly searching for work, applying for jobs, and never hearing back? Job openings vanishing into thin air? What if with just one connection, you could link with dozens of companies that are hiring? What if that connection was a locally owned business ready to help without charging a fee? Express Employment Professionals is your one connection. Go to ExpressPros.com. With endless opportunities, it's time to try something new in your job search. Let Express Employment Professionals help you. Start at ExpressPros.com. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. I hope your Monday is going fabulously well. And in fact, it can be even better with Duralast batteries, they're proven tough and designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions with patented technology to deliver the most power during startup, get in the zone, auto zone. We're always in the zone here without kick the coverage. I am Clay Travis. Hope your weekend went well, and I'll tell you this much. Had some good moves on the gambling picks, but as much as I love the NBA, and I absolutely love the NBA playoffs, This is the most boring NBA playoffs that we have ever seen when it comes to figuring out who's going to actually win the championship. Right now, we got the Spurs and the Rockets. We got the the Wizards and the Celtics all battling desperately to get decapitated in the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals. I don't know what's happened to the Cavs. I wasn't a believer. You guys can remember me coming on this show and saying I thought they were going to have trouble with the Pacers. It took me a long time to realize that I needed to bet against them. I bet against them in the first three games of that series. I finally flipped it in the Raptors series. I didn't think they had the defensive intensity. I thought whatever mojo they had working chemistry-wise was not connecting. I didn't believe that they were going to come in and win eight in a row in the NBA playoffs like they have. I didn't think that LeBron James was going to be able to take his game to another level. More importantly, I didn't think that the Cleveland Cavaliers were suddenly going to find themselves after playing 82 regular season games and going 51-31 and 31 and finishing second overall in the East, I didn't think they were going to come out and dominate like they did. But they took control of the Raptors, and that series is not even close. We the North, indeed, yeah, you got wrecked. The North absolutely dominated by the Cavs and LeBron James. And now, even though we've got a two-game, two-game series tie here, 
And I think, look, the Wizards are fun to watch. The Celtics are fun to watch. It's not a bad series. I feel like we're watching a team compete to get decapitated. Somebody's going to get Ned Stark in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, and it doesn't matter what happens in these series. So it's hard for me to sit around and say, oh, I'm excited. Now tonight we got the Warriors playing, and we got the Warriors playing against the Jazz. And the thing is, even if they lose, the Warriors that is, you know they're going to come back and win in Game 5. And then they're going to be sitting around with their, their, their feet kicked up, waiting to see what's going to happen with the Rockets and the Spurs. Do you feel confident in any way that the Rockets, the Spurs, the Celtics, or the Wizards have any hope of advancing to the NBA Finals? The answer is no. And this is what I've been saying from the get-go. This is the real flaw of the overall playoffs when it comes to the NBA. You look at the otherwise larger universe of sports. Right now... In the NFL, by and large, if you make the playoffs, if you're one of the 12 teams of 32 NFL teams that are fortunate enough to make the playoffs, and you've got a decent quarterback, so we can talk toss Brock Osweiler to the curb, we can toss Connor Cook to the curb because of the injury to Derek Carr. By and large, if you have a decent quarterback and you make the playoffs, and most of the times if you make the playoffs, you do have a decent quarterback, you can come out of the wild card and win the Super Bowl. Anybody can win the Super Bowl if you make the NFL playoffs. Anybody can win... In Major League Baseball, if you make the Major League Baseball playoffs. Anybody can win in the NCAA tournament as long as really you're a top 16 seed, right? It's wide open. Anything can happen. Anything can happen, theoretically, in the college football playoff. We've already seen the four-seed Ohio State Buckeyes with their third-string quarterback, who, by the way, graduated this weekend, Cardell Jones, coming out of nowhere and pulling off two straight upsets to win the title, right? We've seen it there. We certainly know that in hockey where the Nashville Predators have somehow as what should be the overall eight seed in the West, now favored to either beat Edmonton or Anaheim in the Western Conference Finals. They've come out of nowhere. They've gone eight and two once the playoffs actually started. We know already because the LA Kings did it that as an eight seed, you can win the actual Stanley Cup. If you make the playoffs, you have a chance to win. Everywhere that is, except for the NBA, where virtually zero chance. If you aren't one of the top two teams or one of the top two or three teams, There's no point in the playoffs. 16 teams make the NBA playoffs. 14 of them, I firmly believe this, have virtually a 0% chance, barring injury, barring an injury. Look, if LeBron James tweaks an ankle and he's going to miss a series or something bad happens to him, then yes, everything changes overnight. But barring injury, we thought we might have a significant injury to Kevin Durant earlier in the year. Barring an injury, it's going to be Cavs-Warriors in the finals. And there's no point to the months-long process we got a month now basically between when the NBA finals start the NBA finals don't start until after Memorial Day I believe they start on June 1st I think I'm correct in that I think that's a Thursday I think they start on Thursday June 1st between now and then we just got a lot of time to kill so a great stat LeBron James is going to play eight games in 35 days he's going to have if my math is right 27 days off in the playoffs so far. I mean, that's remarkable. Congratulations, LeBron James and the Cavs. They've won 11 games in a row. That's what happens when you get on a dominant run like they are on. And so I'm going to bring up Jason Martin. Jason Martin, uh, Ed Jmart Outkick, producer, you watched a lot of these games over the weekend. Yes. Is there any way, if you're having to pick right now, if you had to pick the Wizards, the Celtics, the Rockets, or the Spurs, Is there any way one of those four teams, in your mind, can make the NBA Finals, barring, like I said, 
a catastrophic injury. Like maybe Steph Curry can run into Klay Thompson, they can bang knees, and they can both be out of the Western Conference Finals. Okay, that's an impactful play, right? Barring one of these crazy, flukish injury plays that might even need to take out two guys, is there any way one of those four teams can actually advance to the NBA Finals? Or am I right? We're just waiting for the Cavs and the Warriors to decapitate them. I would love to disagree with you, but I can't in this case. There was one thing I mentioned last week about these teams, and then one thing that I didn't mention about the NBA playoffs as a whole. What I didn't mention was that, and it's been this way in recent history in the NBA, and by recent I mean in the last like 20 years, not in the last five years, that it works. You take steps in the NBA as a team. You'll start as an eight seed, like the Kings with Chris Webber and Jason Williams and Doug Christie and that crew. They were an eight seed. They gave some teams some trouble, but they were still an eight seed. Then they would move up to about the four hole. Then they would move up a little bit more. There's a process in the NBA. So you look at teams like the Rockets and what they've done over the last few years. Now they're at a number three. But do I think that they're going to be able to get past the Warriors? No. And the problem is, and Oklahoma City's the best example of this, because Oklahoma City was an eight seed, and that's when Russell Westbrook started to show up as somebody to pay attention to. Then all of a sudden they were in the middle. Then all of a sudden they were at the top. And the problem came when they still didn't win it all. And when you don't win it all, the fans start to wonder, because there's no other steps for you to take once you get to the top except you have to win the championship. They didn't win the championship. So then you start talking about, well, is it time to blow this team up? The Clippers went from one level to another, and then they stopped somewhere before they got to the top rung. The Rockets, to me, are a team that are going to do exactly what the Thunder did. I don't think they're made to win a championship. They do have a star player. I thought that they would give Golden State a little bit of trouble, but never did I believe that they would beat the Warriors, and I still don't believe that they have a prayer, even if they get past San Antonio, of beating the Warriors. I don't think the Spurs have a shot. I don't think the Celtics are going to even come close. I think the Wizards could give them more fun and maybe some closer basketball, but they don't play good enough defense. And the other thing that I did mention, Clay, was that you didn't believe in the Cavaliers because you said, I don't know if they can turn it on. I'm not sure they ever turned it off. And this is the biggest indictment of your NBA regular season is they just didn't care. Because they knew they were this good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, And this is why my argument has been, if I'm LeBron James, and I feel like I've got a lot of wear and tear on my legs, and look, he's 31 years old. He's been to, I think probably, he's going to go to his seventh straight NBA Finals. That's a lot of extra games. There's no doubt at all about that. If I'm LeBron James next year, and this would really put the NBA into an, uh, an uproar, why does he need to play in October, November, and December? Why can LeBron James not be like, look, I'm chilling, I'm resting my legs, I'm not going to come and play until Christmas Day. I'm going to show up on Christmas Day, or I'm going to show up right after the New Year starts. I feel like I can round my team into shape for January, February, March. Like, I can play, I can take off 25 games, and then I'll show up and I'll play 55 regular season games or whatever it is. I'll take 30 off and I'll play 50. Like, what's the purpose? And, And this, again... I think then becomes a huge indictment of the NBA regular season. Because I think, I think they did exactly that. I think they looked at the Celtics and they said, there's no way we're going to lose to this team. And they looked at the Celtics and said, no way we're going to lose to this team. And they said, screw it, we don't even care if we're the number one overall seed. And we don't know if the Celtics are going to advance. Obviously, the Wizards, the huge run in the second half, 26-0, whatever it was, to put away the Celtics and tie it up at 2-2. We'll find out what happens in game five going forward. But again, my problem with it is, I understand if you're a Wizards fan or if you're a Celtics fan why you care. 
because you're like you want your team to advance. You want Brad Stevens. You want this young uh, Wizards team to kind of advance to the finals and feel like they have another level to go to. But if you're a casual NBA fan and you come on for the NBA playoffs, it's been a disaster. Just about every game has been decided by double digits. Most of them, again, all of the favorites just about winning every single time. And we're advancing towards an execution. That's what I feel like. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I was planning on watching the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. The Kentucky Derby on Saturday, I think, is probably the single most boring sporting event that occurs on television because there's so much talk and fluff and pomp and circumstance surrounding this 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 horse race and it only lasts two minutes and if you're like me as most of you I would imagine are all you care about is the two-minute horse race you don't care about the profiles on the horses you don't care about the profiles on the owners there isn't that much to actually watch and so I was planning on watching this thing live and while I've got it on television I just fell asleep I fell asleep during the Kentucky Derby broadcast And when I woke up, the race had already happened, and I had it on DVR, and I went back and I watched all two minutes of it. And that's probably the best way to watch it. It means I didn't end up gambling on it. But as I'm sitting there watching it, and I think this every year, I've been fortunate to go to the Kentucky Derby as well. I've been up there to cover it as a uh, sports writer. And the year that I went up to cover the Kentucky Derby was probably five or six years ago. They had a, what I was blown away by, is you hear so much about how everybody's got to be independent. Sports writers got to make sure that they aren't influenced in a negative way by being biased. We had a gambling window in the sports writing arena. Like the area where sports writers sit and watch the horse race, which is up top, beautiful view, right by Millionaire's Row, where the most exclusive area is to watch the horse race. There was a betting window for us in the press box. Never seen anything like it. So to make sure that the media don't have to get out and stand in line for everybody else, with everybody else, betting on the horse racing, we could be tweeting, we could write our articles, we could file, we could stand right up, walk to the back of the press box, and stand in line and bet on the horse race that we were about to watch. All of them all day long. Obviously not just the big Kentucky Derby itself, but all the other races that led up to the Derby. And I remember thinking, first of all, how awesome that was. But secondly, how patently absurd American laws are when it comes to sports gambling. And I want to ask you this right now. I'm going to open up the phone lines. 877-996-6369. If today I was suddenly able to wave a magic wand and I said, gambling on horse racing is not allowed. What percentage of the audience that watches a horse race vanishes? In other words, if I said to you right now, all we have to rely on is the sport itself, and I'm not going to allow sports gambling to occur, what percentage of people do you think don't pay attention at all to horse racing? Because the way it's covered, the gambling element is integral to the horse race, right? Oh, this is a big, a long shot. This is a big underdog. This is where the money's coming in. You look at the horse races, and you can see clearly who the favorite is. And in fact, the last five years, I believe now, the favorite has won the Kentucky Derby. So it got me wondering, 
what would happen to the interest in horse racing if we did away with gambling? And then, if you have a functional brain, and a lot of you do, you also just take a sit back and recognize how broken the way we deal with sports gambling in this country is. It makes zero sense, right? If you get on a plane right now, we're on in Vegas, so if you're in Vegas or if you're in the state of Nevada, you guys can sit this one out. But if the rest of you get on a plane this morning and you fly to Las Vegas or Reno or somewhere in Nevada, when you get off that plane, you can walk into a variety of different places and put as much money down as you could possibly afford on the Golden State Warriors tonight playing against the Utah Jazz. I think the Jazz are around an eight-point favorite. If you do that anywhere else just about in the country, it's not legal. How does that make sense? On top of that, how is horse racing now so legal that you can legally do it on the internet through an app on your phone? If we're concerned that sports gambling is going to break the moral fiber of American sporting life. How is it that we can gamble left and right anywhere in the country on phones in our hands legally about horse racing, which, by the way, is probably the sport that's easier to fix than any sport because the horses are ridden by jockeys. And you and I can watch a horse race and have no idea if a jockey decides to throw it. Even people who are incredibly skilled in horse racing, there's so many vagaries involved in a race that if they just nick the horse a little bit out of the gate, they can guarantee that their horse doesn't win the race. So how is it that we as a country can allow horse racing and gambling to take place everywhere? Obviously, as a part of the Triple Crown in Maryland, And then the state of New York, we allow it all over the country. And there are other strange exceptions as well. I believe down in Florida, they still have greyhound racing, the dogs. They have dog track betting. I've been to that before too. How is it that we have all of this hodgepodge of gambling allowed and we don't allow it in the big sports that everybody cares about? Don't allow it in the NBA. Don't allow it in the NFL. Don't allow it in college football or college basketball or the NHL. How does that make sense? How does that make any sense at all? Especially now with both the NHL and the NFL bringing franchises to Vegas. A lot of you are going to go watch games in the NFL and the NHL, and you're going to bet on them in Vegas, and then you're going to go to them. The NFL right now allows you when you play in those games in London, you can walk across the street from Wembley Stadium and bet on the games that are taking place in London. And the NFL, at least the NBA has been, Adam Silver has come out and said, you know what, sports gambling should be legalized. But the NFL is so hypocritical on this. So incredibly hypocritical Because if you ever buy a lottery ticket, go check and see who sponsors sometimes the scratch-off lottery tickets that you buy. I know where I live, in the state of Tennessee, we have the lottery, which is basically a tax on the poor, right? 
Typically, rich people don't walk into gas stations buying lottery tickets. Here in Tennessee, and I've seen it in every other state too, the NFL team sponsors the lottery ticket. In other words, you can buy Tennessee Titan or Dallas Cowboy or whatever the team is, lottery tickets. If an NFL team is willing to take the money from the lottery, the local lottery in the jurisdiction they're in, and put their logo on a scratch-off lottery ticket, how in the world can they not allow you to bet on who you think is going to win in a game? It is one of, I think, the most absurdly hypocritical laws that exist in this country that all of you out there right now, a huge percentage of you are betting on sports already, and you're doing it in a way that is totally illegal. Did you know that under American law right now, it is illegal for you to do a bracket challenge for the NCAA tournament? If you at your place of business set up a bracket pool and everybody put in 5 or 10 or 20 bucks to fill out a bracket, and the pool went to whoever had the best bracket, something that I guarantee you just about everybody at their place of business did, whether you're a school teacher or a a neurosurgeon. Every one of your places of business, I bet you did that. Did you know that's illegal? That's technically illegal under American law. You could be prosecuted for that. That's gambling, which isn't allowed. How much less interest would there be in the NCAA tournament if that bracket didn't exist? And how much less interest would there be in the NCAA tournament if everybody couldn't fill out their brackets and put money on it? Half the audience disappear if they're not rooting for their bracket? I don't think that's an exaggeration. In horse racing, would 90% of the audience disappear? Here's the other question I would ask you. Once it happens... And I think we're moving towards it getting legalized and giving the states the rights, just like we do with the lottery, to decide whether or not they want sports gambling within their borders. Once it happens, how much more interest is there going to be in sports? I'll tell you right now, I absolutely love gambling on sports. Not a lot of money, but it makes me watch games all the way to the end, oftentimes, because the over-unders in play or the line is in play long after the determining factor has already been made. Right now, there's a study recently, you know, that they said 25% of all sports ratings are rooted in sports gambling right now. Gamblers are the most likely to watch a game start to finish because they've got money on it. But how is it that in this modern era, when we have the rules that we have for horse racing, Do we allow that everywhere? Can gamble from your phone? How is it that we allow that and we don't allow gambling on, for instance, tonight's Warriors at Jazz Game? Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. We got a special guest joining us here in Hour 3. Get your Monday morning off and rolling. It is Jason Whitlock at Whitlock Jason, one of your favorite regular guests to appear on the show and this morning Jason you have shaken off the writing cobwebs and you are taking over the Wall Street Journal with your piece about ESPN Deadspin Gawker it's pretty fascinating first of all thanks for joining us my man 
No problem. Glad to be here. So uh, you have not written for a while. How excited were you to get to get uh, the prime real estate of the Wall Street Journal and also just get to write a, uh, a column again? I, you're really good at it, one of my favorite guys to read. How much have you missed it? I've missed it a lot. You know, I, I wrote something for Peter King's Monday Morning Quarterback during football season, uh, something about, you know, why football is important. But, yeah, I miss writing a lot. You know, my identity is caught up in being a writer. Uh, and so it was good to be in the Wall Street Journal. It was good to be writing about something important. You and I talk a lot about this stuff off the air, obviously. Uh, you sounding boards, everything else. And I've been fascinated by this theory of yours in general. And you've been on it for a couple of years now. And, and for people who haven't read the article, I tweeted out the link. You should go check it out. Uh, your thesis in general is about the changes that you saw at ESPN in the two tenures that you worked there. So before I go into the article itself, I want to go back into your past history. When you first went to work for ESPN, what was it like? Uh, it was great. You know, I was, I think, originally hired in 2000, 2001. Neil Scarborough hired me to write uh, for page two. And then shortly after, or maybe shortly before, in 2000 or 2001, I started appearing on the sports reporters uh, with Dick Shep. And, you know, at the time, I was probably around 30 years old. And, you know, that was a really, no, no, I was a little older than that, maybe 33, 34. At the time, it was a really big deal getting on the sports reporters. Uh, it was the old school sports reporters with, you know, Lupica and Bill Conlon and Tony Kornheiser and all those guys. And, you know, it was great. And then, you know, writing online for page two was an exciting time because that was at a time when, you know, we were taking a lot of risk and being really creative at page two. Uh, you know, of course, Ralph Wiley and David Havelstrom was there, but Bill Simmons was there making his name for himself. And I was there trying to build a national audience while still working at the Kansas City Star. You know, it, it was a lot of risk-taking, a lot of uh, creativity, a lot of fun being had in the columns. And uh, and then, you know, I can remember being, I was one of the first fill-in hosts ever for PTI when Mike and Tony started that. And, you know, again, you, you were able to use your sense of humor and say some things. Uh, you know, it just seemed like ESPN was a lot freer then, and there was a guy named Mark Shapiro uh, that was the number two under George Bodenheimer running the network at that time, and he was implementing a lot of change at ESPN and trying out all these new programs from Party Interruption to Around the Horn to a bunch of stuff. It was just a, it was a, an aggressive, you know, try-anything atmosphere and culture at ESPN. So the risk-taking culture led to ESPN being very successful. It also, as the blogosphere was rising, led to Deadspin, which at the time had a lot more of a platform than it does now, going after ESPN and going after ESPN employees for embarrassing stories. And you hit several of them in your article in the Wall Street Journal. And as a result, how did that change things by the time you went back to ESPN for your second visit? Well, you know, I think Deadspin lost in 2005 at the same time that Mark Shapiro left ESPN. 
And I don't know if Deadspin started out like, hey, we're going to put ESPN in the crosshairs. But it didn't take them long to figure out, hey, we can get a lot of traction trolling ESPN talent and and executives. And I can remember they, they Stuart Scott was the first guy in the crosshairs. And I can remember when that piece uh, Will Lease posted, basically, you know, A.J. Delario, who was a correspondent at the time for Deadspin. And by the way, later got, later got sued by Hulk Hogan and basically was bankrupt. It was also my boss when I was at Deadspin. Uh, but that that is uh, the background on A.J., uh, is he was on trial as one of the defendants in the Hulk Hogan lawsuit that ended up breaking Gawker. Uh, so A.J. was at the Super Bowl, and he did what? Looked over Stuart Scott's shoulder and saw a text that said, let me know. And they wrote a piece, Leeds did, and that basically this was Stuart Scott, who was married at the time, booty calling some uh, other media personality, female media personality, and they just wrote a post about it. And I can remember being upset myself and voicing my displeasure to Leash and Delario, and Stuart Scott certainly was upset. Uh, but, you know, they were trying to get a, uh, traction and attention, and I think doing that thing with Stuart Scott, no matter how many people were pissed off, they got so much attention, I think they just kind of fell in love with, hey, if we go after ESPN talent, uh, there's a lot of traction and growth here, a lot of page views. And so they just started fairly and unfairly uh, exposing or going after ESPN talent about, you know, sexual malfeasance at ESPN. You know, Sean Salisbury found himself in the crosshairs. I think, you know, and Sean Salisbury, I think, did some dumb stuff and needed to be exposed. But some of it was unfair, and a lot of it was unconfirmed rumors that A.J., put out there when he was upset with ESPN and you know ESPN just kind of tolerated this and then eventually you know I I remember when they clowned John Walsh I think Tommy Craggs was up for a job with Grantland and they sent a clown and a literal clown uh, to the interview that Tommy Craggs was supposed to go to with John Walsh and they uh, recorded, they secretly videotaped it and showed everybody on their website, here we are making fun, making a fool out of this ESPN executive. And then I can remember a few years later, they, they came out with some expose about, you know, allegedly John Walsh being uh, sexually harassing people on the job. or not, not, I don't even say on the job. I think at some bar they said he was drunk and, you know, uh, being perverted, or not perverted is too strong a word, but being flirtatious, overly flirtatious with women at some bar. Anyway, they just went after ESPN executives and ESPN talent. And it's my belief that eventually, you know, rather than fighting back against the unfair things that they did, ESPN just kind of rolled over and, uh, you know, took on Deadspin's point of view and just became, you know, really progressive and really PC and really far left wing. So it's a fascinating theory. We're talking to Jason Whitlock, his piece on the uh, Wall Street Journal editorial page this morning, analyzing why ESPN has gone left wing. 
that it was an attempt to get out of Deadspin's crosshairs, and your thesis is that in the process, ESPN became Deadspin uh, because recently Deadspin has been very much praising the decisions that are made by ESPN, and as a result, people like Linda Cohn are saying, wait a minute, we've now left behind the base of regular fans that came to ESPN to begin with. It reminds me, I've said this on this show before, you probably like this phrase, Charles Barkley uh, once said uh, to me, and I remember thinking how much it made sense, if you worry about the people you don't like, then the people who do like you won't like you anymore. And that seems to be a perfect summation of what's happened at ESPN. The people that used to love them now hate them. The people that used to hate them love them. The problem they've got is the people that used to hate them were a small segment of the population, and they changed what was working for that segment. And in the process, they lost their base. Listen, that's been people have been reluctant to acknowledge. The media has been reluctant to acknowledge, write about Deadspin's impact on all of the sports media. You know, the piece I have in the Wall Street Journal focuses in on ESPN, but Deadspin's impact on all of sports media has been the most significant thing that's happened in my career. Uh, they they. Put a, they went after any journalist, and by going after ESPN, it was a signal to all the other sports journalists. If you're conservative, if you write things we disagree with, we are going to go after your work and potentially you in the most unfair and sensational way possible uh, to try to send a message to all of the sports media. And then they championed, if you were far left, they championed you, and the next thing you know, Bomani Jones is the greatest thing that's ever happened to sports media without any – and again, Bomani has some talent, but the way he was celebrated as if he was the smartest guy to ever enter the sports media profession is a joke. But because he adhered to that progressive ideology and point of view, they celebrated him as such, and the next thing you know, his platforms got bigger and bigger and bigger – and, you know, he's seen as the next wave of great uh, sports journalists. And it, it's hard to – he hasn't really done enough journalistic work to be considered a journalist, but he's talked about as if he is. But, again, Deadspin's impact is can, can be seen most clearly at ESPN, but it is throughout sports media. Uh, again, they've you know. Let's be completely transparent. They posted a blog with you in a KKK hat. <laughs> uh, clearly, every a lot of people are familiar about the hatchet job pieces they did on me. That again, it's like I, I have documented proof that a lot of the stuff they wrote was an outright lie, and it certainly was biased and skewed. The, the mainstream media won't address it because there's a fear of dead spin. And so, I mean, I've certainly had a dead spin target on my back and, you know, have had to deal with them trying to smear my reputation unfairly. But I, I'm just never going to back down to those guys because uh, if you do back down the way, you know, I believe ESPN has – you eventually will pay a price from it. You will run off your hardcore base. And since I'm in the sports world, I, 
you know, my hardcore base of fans, traditional sports fans, I just that progressive far left ideology is not what they believe in. And so uh I'm just not going to sell out to Deadspin. Uh I'm not gonna make peace with a group that has acted really inappropriately and really unethically in a lot of ways. They've done, they've stumbled into some good journalistic work from time to time. But a lot of their work is really unethical, the kind of stuff that when I was coming up in the business the first 20 years would have gotten you fired. Uh, But now it's just kind of accepted in this clickbait world. Jason Whitlock has got a piece up on the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal this morning about the move in sports media from middle of the road, I would say, is probably a good way to describe it, to left wing and how the blogosphere, in particular Deadspin, a popular sports blog, has managed to drive ESPN and Fox and other places, I think it's fair to say, to the left wing. People, okay, so for people out there who are listening to us right now and they're, they've listened to this interview and they're enjoying it, but they're also saying, why does this matter? Okay, why does it matter that sports media has moved left? And in particular, ESPN, which is still the king of sports media, has led that move left. Why does it matter? Well, I think, one, it's perverted a lot of the conversations that we'd like to have in sports. That there's, again, if you're someone who thinks, hey, man, what Colin Kaepernick did taking a knee was probably inappropriate, uh, is not something you'd want your franchise starting quarterback to do, uh, is probably not the best career move for him. And there were better ways to make the point. If he wanted to make a point about police misconduct, there was a better way to do it. If you argue that in this new environment we have here, you're either a racist white person or you're an Uncle Tom black person. That's the way it's being argued in the sports media world. And there used to be a time when you could take two different sides of of an argument without being shouted down as a racist or someone who has abandoned your race and is a sellout. Uh, But things have moved so far left, this is now the appropriate way to have these conversations is to shout people down. Also, I think it's if you understand sports culture and the values taught in sports culture, they are conservative values without being political. They're, again, when it, conser- sometimes conservative values have no political connotation, and they hadn't in sports. But so many people that grew up in sports culture, as athletes, as coaches, as fans, believe in a lot of the values, the conservative values taught in sports. And again, if you're a business like baseball, like uh, professional football, like basketball, any of these sports, patriotism has been at the heart of sports. It's the only place in America where we play the national anthem where everybody rises. Uh Again, a lot of people that were very comfortable with the traditional, celebratory, patriotic version of sports don't like 
this revolutionary far left extremism and progressiveness brought into the sports world it's like hey man you're trying to stuff some values down my throat that aren't consistent with the values in sports sports is about the meritocracy and some of this far left stuff isn't about that and and then as it relates to ESPN why this is problematic and I argue in the piece is they have mistaken progressive ideology and progressive diversity as business innovation rather than actually innovating and and doing what they were doing under the Mark Shapiro era coming up with new shows new formats of shows uh you know putting people like Tony and Mike who had a lot of gravitas a lot of credibility as journalists on platforms where they could give a mature perspective ESPN now seems to be and a lot of the sports media now seems to be it's not about whether you have Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon's experience and credibility it's about whether you look different and whether or not you argue from this left-wing point of view, let's empower that. It's not about your qualifications for the job. It's about do you fit this idea and this uh, diverse look that we're trying to put forward rather than a diverse perspective. Uh, and so it's just bad business. It's not the focus. Uh, I think that a lot of media networks isn't about business. It's about uh, perception and whether or not uh, the left-wing social media and the left-wing social justice warriors active on social media and active at these blogs, do they approve of the face you're putting forward? Way too much focus on that. It's bad business. And that's how a lot of veteran people uh, and a lot of people that had done good good work are getting run out of this business because media, going back to the newspaper, the fall of the newspaper industry, to what we're seeing now in sports media on television, there just hasn't been enough focused on innovation and making the business strong so you can employ people. There's been too much focus on do you fit the progressive agenda. We're talking to Jason Whitlock at Whitlock Jason on Twitter. Go follow him. Do you think there is hope for the future being back middle of the road in sports with sports as an escape as opposed to a reflection of our divided political landscape? Look, over time, businesses will correct themselves and the market will speak. Uh, you know, o- over time, I think there's going to be a true competitor rise up and really take on ESPN television and try to cater to the traditional sports fan. And so, yeah, I do think the system will correct itself. Uh, it's just going to be unfortunate for the people that get hurt while the business is trying to correct themselves. What has the response been to your editorial so far? I mean, it's early in the morning on Monday. 
But immediately when you put out this tweet on Sunday night, lots of comments rolled in. And I think a lot of people are commenting. Let me hit you on this. At the end of that article, you reference ESPN NFL reporter Ed Werder. He went on a podcast and said he heard, and this is an amazing, quality of work would not be a consideration when employees were let go at ESPN. Werder lamented, quote, it seemed to me that quality work should be the only consideration. And you write, not in this America, the one ruled by social media perception and dismissive of the real world. What has the reaction been so far to your piece? Uh, the immediate reaction over social media, over Twitter in particular, seemed uh, organized. Cause a lot of people that don't follow me were magically almost instantly tweeting at me, you know, just they're, them being upset and vitriol and go retire or, you know, they weren't dealing with the substance of what I had to say. Some people were arguing that somehow I was arguing against a free press. Uh, <laughs> and so a lot of the feedback was preposterous, but it was, you know, there was a lot of feedback and it all seemed to be coming from the same mindset. So I think the, again, I think over Twitter, a lot of people that lean left are, that is their headquarters. And, you know, I think a lot of Deadspin and Gawker sympathizers are very active over Twitter, and they try to shout you down as quick as possible and uh, create the sense among other people that just kind of lurk over Twitter. Well, everybody thinks this opinion is stupid, uh, and so don't read it or be dismissive of it. We've all agreed it's no good. And then over time, I you know, the positive feedback started rolling in, and people were just, hey, man, I'm glad you said this. I'm glad someone's speaking the truth. This is what I've been feeling. I've been trying to figure out why, what happened, why did ESPN move so left so quickly uh you know so i think there's been a cross-section uh of opinion but again because social media leans left and because in you know in my view twitter and facebook do a good job of of uh manipulating social media to lean left uh that it's hard to figure out but i do think people were reading the article and reacting to it uh, and so, you know, I, I think this is because it's an original idea. I think it's been out there. I think, you know, to me, Clay, it seems obvious what Deadspin did to ESPN. I, for the life of me, have been trying. Why has this never been written about? Why, why, why wasn't this documented in real time? You have all these media critics out there, the Richard Dices of the world, and all these other people that monitor. Uh, these media outlets, I don't understand how this never got addressed as it was actually happening. The stuff ESPN did to some of the executives and some of the talent at ESPN, remove me. Let's say you, you hate my guts. Let's say you hate Clay Travis's guts. Some of the things that went on, with, again, with Stuart Scott in 2007, were so outrageous, I don't understand how this stuff wasn't addressed then. It is a fascinating question because you go back and look at all of those details and the way they piled up. It's like ESPN got so afraid of Deadspin that they became Deadspin. And what's fascinating about that is 
Deadspin is a shadow of the site that it used to be. It's uh, traffic on sites, its influence continues to diminish, and now we're seeing the same thing happen with ESPN. It's why I love reading your columns, why I love having you on the show, and why I love uh, talking to you outside of uh, work. Always original thoughts, always thought-provoking. Appreciate the time, and congrats on uh, making the debut, I believe, for you, right, in the Wall Street Journal editorial page. That's big time. Been in a lot of papers. First time in the Wall Street Journal. I can check that off my to-do list. <laughs> All right, my man. Good stuff. I appreciate the time. That Thanks, is. Clark. Uh... Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.